Welcome. You're listening to Mystic Moon Cafe Radio. You're listening to Mystic Moon Cafe. The views and opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of the hosts, the network, or our sponsors. Good Wednesday evening, everyone. How is everyone out there in Radio Land tonight? Hi, June. You with me? Hey. No, well, you know, mentally, I don't know, but physically, <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here with you. All right. <laughs> what about Jake? Is he around? How you doing? Hey. <laughs> Yay. So how are you guys? How are both of you? I, I have a bit of a mood today, but I think it'll be all right. Well, that's good. Yeah, Why? Right. Not that you have a mood, though. Yeah, what's up with the mood? I don't know. Sometimes they just attack me. Oh. I become Wendy the Witch, not Wendy Lady. So it, you know, it just happens. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all right. You know, <clears throat> some days you just gotta. 
some days you just gotta, you know, feel it. Feel yep. the feelings. <laughs> feel the feelings, man. Put on the hat and let them know who you are, right? <laughs> You're flying monkeys out and just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> what was, yeah, what was, you had the image today on the Facebook. Sometimes you have to put the hat on and let them know who they're dealing with. Exactly, yep. <laughs> That's a social media tie-in. You can go to Facebook.com, Mystic Moon Cafe, and like it and follow and get all these fun memes today. That's awesome. <laughs> That's true. You like that plug? I like that one. Good, yes. Glad you liked it. Jake, what about you? Today was all about corporate banality as I make a PowerPoint presentation. You know, that very exciting stuff. So if you guys don't know, I work in data analytics and I have to make an analytics presentation. And it's... The topic is really interesting. However, not a fan of making PowerPoints. Yeah. But uh, then that be making my uh my I'm supposed to be making my powerpoints, you know, for my my travel on the spooky side presentation. Ooh, let me and, know. Uh, let me know. I can help. Yeah. We can do this. I got 3 slides done out of 36. Do you really need 36? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what? I thought it was only 36. Well, how long? You only have 3 slides done out of 36. When is this yeah. due? What's your deadline? <laughs> well, I keep, you know, I, I keep trying to put topics in each slide, and all I'm getting, you know, is like, oh, I don't know. What do I say about this place? Let me okay. just hop to the next place. Well, you know okay. what? You know what? Oh, that's Wally in the background. That's that's my big German Shepherd Pitbull. He's, like, alerting me to things. But, you know, since I have to do a lot of presentations, I'm more than happy to help because you're probably overthinking it, and there's all yes, sorts of shortcuts we can put into the notes section that you can read while projecting and the I nice have, photos. Like, every every letter spinning oh no no so i'll be uh, i'll be over tonight (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yes this is gonna be really something (laughs) this this could be fun i think i need you to uh uh, record that june Start giving the presentation, everybody's like, holy crap! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Well, you know, I I had one of those days, too. You know, I I actually went to the pool this morning, and then after that, I I rode the bus, which I don't do. Um, So, except you did. Yes, I did. (laughs) So I'm going to hopefully, I'm going to start doing this every single day. So we'll see. Well, not every day. I'll probably won't do it on Friday since I go to Spooked in Seattle on Friday. So. Ah, sure. Sure. So, yeah. So that's my goal. Four days a week. Mm. Oh, I got to say, I do like public transportation. Um, The bus isn't my favorite. But I do like <laughs> the Seattle light rail system. We're plugging. We're plugging. I can't believe we're pu- plugging like public transportation. <laughs> but I do hey, like the I light rail. Sick. I get car sick, so I have to drive or, oh, you know, or puke. One of the two. <laughs> that would be good. That would not be good. <laughs> yeah. She never knows when she comes to town how much. <laughs> self-control it takes and how many smiling to keep to to offset the gag reflex i'm doing to not vomit in her car <laughs> oh, <yay. laughs> that's nice. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, what we could do is have you ride in the back, and then in that back pocket we can put, like, on airplanes, it's got the exit plan, a barf bag, and the menu. Right. <laughs> investigation we had this last was it just this last weekend yeah it was saturday night and it was such an interesting location of bordello (gasps) museum yes (laughs) it wasn't an it wasn't an active bordello well it could be fun if it were an active no comment (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how many ghostly sounds we'd we'd find uh you know in a real active one <laughs> oh i'm sure we'd get lots of moanings and creaks yes. and <laughs> other phantom sounds even chains. we played that disclaimer ahead of time so we're good <laughs> so bad oh my word well june let's let's kick off our shady lady bordello museum uh micro investigative report kick it off you mean yep. or just kind of say what we what happened yeah pretty much <laughs> okay i just wanted to check you know in case i was supposed to write a report and oh no i i wrote the report <laughs> <laughs> jacob is an awesome you'll have to go check out ghostly activities and and um check out his his website with all of his um amazing reports that he's written and just and please incredible. drop your link in chat Yes, oh. yes, well, here, do. I'll drop uh, I'll drop the Bordello one in there because you get the videos and you get the image galleries and you get all the gory gadget details. I'm, I'm slowly going through my um, I'm slowly going through my uh, audio recordings and um, but I haven't made should... enough headway yet. But yeah. it was really, really um, I mean, it's just such an amazing, cool place. And I just. I don't know. I really enjoy. I really enjoy it. You know. And then I got to play a madam. Yes. <laughs> what was your madam name? What was my madam name? Oh, I <laughs> when I just call myself Big Bad June. <laughs> yeah. Very original, actually. Well, yeah, but Besides you. Scary no. Yeah. Well, you were just talking <laughs> about getting them into shape, making more money. No, you. <laughs> some improvements to the food you don't know what you're doing i will show you how to do it (laughs) where is the shady lady it is in centralia washington Uh yes it is about an hour and a half from um seattle yep yep hour and a half yeah um yes it's it's a really really cool place the whole town is just a really fun cool place of course the last two times we've been there they've had car shows but this last time was not as bad as the one before that one was pretty loud and people carried on to like 10 something at night a little bit later than that this this one still had its its moments like i feel the problem was the um there was also a game going on a seahawks game Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and um the bar that was right behind the shady lady uh, was very active with people expressing their, I don't know, sportsmanship. You'd be, it would be on EVP, 
Is anyone here that would like to communicate with us? Seahawks, 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 Seahawks. It was about yeah, like that all night. Exactly. <laughs> it was. But, uh, but we had some interesting things. One of the things I really can't figure out is the footsteps that Tammy and I heard when we were in the other room. Yeah. Um, we were sitting there, and all of a sudden we heard loud footsteps coming through the door and we had assumed it was Jake or Sandy coming in to tell us something and then all of a sudden no one was there Um, because we're waiting and waiting and like well are they coming around the corner and we both kind of got up and looked around the corner and it's like okay and then I thought well it must have been somebody coming through the other door and we, you know, we just heard, it just sounded like it echoed. So we kind of did our own little, you know, we just tried it out ourselves. And so I sat where I was and I had Tammy walk from the door into the room. And yeah, it was nothing. Absolutely. It was nothing until they got right into the room with us. We didn't hear anything. So something had to have walked into the room with us in order for us to hear those footsteps. So, and then I tried it with, you know, with Tammy listening and the same thing. She didn't hear anything until I got into the room, like right before this little rug that we had in there. So that was really interesting. There, Yeah, we both heard it. So, and hopefully we got it. I haven't gotten that part yet on my recorder, but mm-hmm. hopefully we got that yeah. So I think just for the audience that may not do a lot of ghost hunting, when you do EVP analysis or you're playing back and listening to the audio of your recording, a lot of times ghost voices are very weak. They're like whispers and you have to listen to each session like four times to make sure you hear everything. So it's a long drawn out process. Yeah. But I would rather listen to audio than I would watch the videos. Oh, I'm totally into the videos, which, you know, this is why we work well together. Because I don't want to listen to EVP four times. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, my gosh. If I have to watch this any longer, I'm going to have to stab my eyes. (laughs) Get some forks. (laughs) Yep. And that's why the ghost hunting shows look so interesting. It's that strategic editing. Yes. that I have, you know, it has the squiggly lines when any, you know, sound is going on and, uh, you know, I just like to watch it. But, you know, I've gotten some EVPs before where there have been no squiggly lines. That's very true. I have too. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, the energy source sure. didn't, yes. wasn't strong enough to create a wave. And most EVPs I get are like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love how Jacob can translate for me. It's so nice. <laughs> Oh, dude, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I can't explain it. (laughs) No, but uh, it was just such a cool place. And, um, you know, the owner is so amazing. I just absolutely love her to death. But not really to death in case something happens to her. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that in there. Throw my own disclaimer in. And, um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. What else happened that night besides the REM pod going off? Well, we were able to debunk that one, though. But 
are you sure? I mean, complete debunk. Um, because if that was something that, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know maybe not. that was something not, that was going on a lot. Yeah, well, maybe not the first one. So if you go to my website, I put the link in the chat. It's the second video. Um, where you see me reacting to the REM pod going off because I picked up the device and it didn't have microfibers. So what, what happened that night was on the REM pod, uh, microfibers started to collect around the edges at the top where the EM field comes out. And so if anything crosses that, it'll set off the alerts. So when it started going off a lot, um, like halfway through the night, I think it was, or the investigation, you could see all these semi-transparent microfibers sticking up and waving around and wiggling and it would but, it would set it off but wouldn't that wouldn't that though be set off more than i mean what what it what did happen well it has to i mean it, I mean, it has to build up like when i when it was going crazy at the end it was covered okay. with them I all see. around like i when you could see them in my hand job, when a, yeah tammy lynn was running down to the mm -hmm. room um, Zach, I'm this not good at, though. let me, uh, we have some folks in the chat I need to direct over to our website because that's where we're doing all the linking and stuff. And I got to drop, drop the location for them real quick. Um, for me, the big thing that evening was when I was, Sandy and I, it was the first EVP session. Uh, of the night and we were in room three which the bordello rooms are in the front second floor front of the shady lady on tower avenue so you can see the three windows for the three rooms and we're doing an evp and sandy was um, asking questions not much was going on i sit down and i start asking you know was the sheriff bad um you know, did the mayor visit? And we started to get reactions and I could feel a coolness on my right arm. And it also felt like someone was breathing on me. And then shortly after that, the REM pod went off the first time in the room next door. Yeah, that's right. But um, other than that, um, I mean, I went through my videos. I didn't get anything. No ghostly apparitions. Running no around. ghostly apparitions. Like I said, if you read the... The report, I've got all the gory t details room by room, which gadgets and experiments we were running. And a photo gallery. It's only five bucks to go to the Shady Lady Bordello Museum, just so you know. It's worth yeah, the five bucks. It's worth it, yeah. It really is. Just to see all those artifacts and read up on everything. This was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, and um, I wanted to, while it was in my head, I wanted to interject. Um, everybody that is in or around Seattle, Washington. Um, Spooked in Seattle had a very unfortunate flood from a, a deal upstairs and and they're recouping their losses and, and some of the tours are have been a little slow lately and if you're out there and you've always thought about going to the Spooked in Seattle ghost tours do it. It's awesome. It's well worth, okay I don't know how much it is but um, <laughs> it's well worth it <laughs> and it, it'll help it'll help um, Ross and June and everybody recoup some of the losses that they incurred. Yeah, it really, it really sucked. It, it was a, it was the, a water filtration system that burst on the third floor of this building, and it all came into our 
laboratory with our equipment and books and newspaper clippings of, of, of you know when a ghost first started the advanced ghost hunters of seattle tacoma um when it first started with all these newspaper clippings back in 2000 and um things like that so it was it was pretty pretty sad um and we had a we were a few things were ruined too so it was just like oh my gosh but you know we will we will get through it it's just kind of messy you know trying to dry out everything set everything out and make sure some of our equipment that was left out which oh, sadly it was left out <laughs> that uh, you know it works and is dried out so but thank you Wendy yes absolutely Wonderful. my pleasure well without right. further ado should we have call our guests in I think that'd be a good idea let me There we go. There's, there they are. Okay. Adding them to the call. Awesome. You're getting play well, by play Skype operations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need a robotic voice. <laughs> yes. Please contact guests. How was that? Was that okay? <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I I try. I aspire to be an automaton myself. Thank you. (laughs) Jake, did you want to start reading the the bio? And I can, we can trade back and forth paragraphs if you'd Um, like to. Let's see. Well, I want to make sure. Okay. I'll take, I'll take the first two off the, I'll, I'll read Kevin and uh, you want to do Jennifer. So he's up first and I'm sorry if I mispronounce something because there's an acronym in here I'm not familiar with, but are you ready? Let's do that. Okay. Uh, Kevin Malick is a paranormal historian and founder of the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society Limited. He is a ufologist with the UFO Wisconsin Research Team and a former certified field investigator with MUFON. That's the one I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. He is also a conspiracy analyst for Ultimate Conspiracies and Apocalypse Nation. And over to you, June. Okay. And Jennifer, and I'm Hopefully, I'm pronouncing, is it Skelsey Malik? Malik? Skelsey? Skelsey? Malik? I guess it must, it might be. We'll ask her when she comes on. Yes. (laughs) Is a psychic and resident demonologist with the NWPS, that's Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society Limited. (laughs) She is also the Wisconsin representative for PWSM, which is, I'm not sure how to say this, Praise Diem? Uh, Warriors of St. Michael, and a remote viewer with the Project PSI Institute of Chicago, working on missing persons and cold cases. Which sounds amazing. Absolutely. They both run the Northwoods Paranormal Library and Resource Center in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Um, They are contributing writers for the Supernatural Magazine and the Paranormal Chronicles. Um, they are the hosts of the AM, FM, Terrestrial, and Internet Fringe Talk radio show, Paraversal Universe, on WBHM-DB. Um, what this other one, I'm not so sure. WCET-FM and the Rift Radio Networks. And without further ado, shall we bring them on? Yeah. Cue the applause. Yay! <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Kevin and Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hey, Hello. Hey, Kevin. Hello. Hi, Jennifer. Kevin and Jennifer. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so glad you guys could be with us today. Yes, thank, thank you for you. having us. Yes, yeah. thank you for having us on. You betcha. It I all worked the, out well. Yes, I know the last time you were supposed to be on, uh, you had a horrible thing happen. Yeah, one of our society members passed away, Reverend Shaman Gwen Pond. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, uh, we appreciate you guys, uh, letting us take that night off. We understand. Oh. That would have been really rough. Yep. Not to mention the fact that there were some technical dip difficulties that evening as well. So it, yeah. like I said, the timing just all kind of worked out, worked out. Yeah, and you know, she was uh, quite possibly the oldest active paranormal investigator in the country. Uh, oh, she wow. passed away at 92 years old. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. She had a uh, doctorate in divinity. And uh, she was just with us at a, a paranormal investigation, an overnight investigation. That same like, week? Yeah, earlier that wow. week. Um. You know, and she did the whole duration. Uh, she always had, you know, more energy than people half her age. And, and uh, yeah, you know, you wouldn't know that she there was anything wrong with her. Oh. And uh, I guess everyone just kind of figures she'd just keep going, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because she was so active, not just with society, but also with the church, being a retired Methodist reverend. Um, but she was still active with the United Methodist Church, so uh, who we were in contact with that night um, that we uh, postponed the show mm -hmm. because we had a lot of phone calls going back and forth too and stuff on our end. Sure. Well, I, I am so sorry for your loss there. That that's a, that sounds like a real. It, it was a real loss for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, she was an amazing lady. Uh really was. And it was an honor to be able to work with her mm -hmm. for um probably I, I think five and a half years that we did. Uh just an amazing theologian, uh a, a very um just very close to God, very holy person. Uh, someone you can, you know, ask any question and, you know, you're going to get the right answer, you know, like mm -hmm. what's the right thing to do kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, she was she was a rock within our society and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, you know, she's a life member. She'll always be a, a life member in our society, if you will. Um, oh, sure. Uh, but, yeah. Um, Sorry. Very much so, but at the same time, it sounds like she didn't have any long-term illnesses to take her down either, and that's well, she had that's a, a full life. In yeah, Pardon? I mean, she, uh, she had a, a full life. Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't have any kids, um, so uh, I guess the the 
there wasn't terrible grief, uh, you know, because she did have a full life and she was active right up until the, the very end, you know. Um, right. Uh, they, they found her in bed. Uh, she died in her sleep. So, you know, uh, we assume it was just a very peaceful passing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but, you know, a full life and much accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, she worked with Dr. Martin Luther King. She, she had been all over the world. She'd done missionary work. Um, uh, wow. Just all kinds of stuff. Incredible yeah. woman. Yeah, so she won't, you know, and uh, we got a little, uh, we got a book coming out soon. Um, hoping to have it out by Halloween called Paraversal Universe. And we're going to have stuff in there about her, too. We had to edit a little bit of it um, because of her passing, but mm-hmm. the the content is still there. Nice. Well, excellent. Uh, what will your book cover other than other than your friend? Uh, it's called Decade of Diligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, cases, Experiences, and Insights from the NWPS. And it's by Jennifer and myself. So... We'll be covering uh, just all those things. Um, there's there's casework in there, experiences we've had, uh, different insights and wisdom that we've gained from, from doing this over the last decade. And uh, uh, there's some articles that we've written from Supernatural Magazine and uh, Paranormal Chronicles that are going in there as well. Uh, that, yeah. So it's it's we're looking forward to it. Are you self-publishing that or uh, yes, did you... we are actually. My dad uh, is an author as well, and he's done the publishing route where he's had a publisher, and he's mm-hmm. done the self-publishing, and he says go self-publishing. He wish he had done so right off the bat. He wouldn't have had the half the headaches that he had to deal with with different publishers. So. Now, I, I, I had read that, that your dad was, you know, also an author and, and everything. Did did he, did you grow up listening to a lot of his stories and kind of with everything? Well, he he writes epic fantasies. Mm-hmm. So it, I and, saw that. Right. Uh, the work we do is nonfiction. Right, so right. So there's, there's a distinction. However, um, a lot of the, the, the work in his epic fantasies comes from folklore and different mm-hmm. uh, legends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, yeah, early on, I think his influences influenced me to, uh, I guess, enjoy reading, you know, reading like sort of Shannara and um, Tolkien and, and different stuff that he had in his library uh, that I was aware of that I was exposed to. Now, his books uh, weren't published until well after I was an adult. So then, uh, as far as his stories or the, the work in his his uh, Helm series, it's it's a trilogy. Uh, that's um, again, but you know, um, there are different. Like I said, there are influences to to folklore and legends and um, those kinds of things. So that's cool. Really cool. Oh, absolutely, yes. Glad I'm 
Well, um, why don't, I, I was going to say, if you don't mind, why don't you both uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your background and then kind of tell us how you both met. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, okay. <laughs> just, uh, you read the bio, so that's... Uh, right. Um, a paranormal historian, a ufologist, uh, running the NWPS, uh, soon to be author, and um, all that. How we met? We met over Facebook, uh, actually, through the paranormal community. I want to say probably just over six years ago, and uh, you know, um, we had communicated. For a few months back and forth and uh there were on my end there were no red flags uh with jennifer um just but just some communication and and getting to know her and we uh at one point we had her remote view a case we were working oh cool um and it was the first time we had used a psychic in an investigation uh, in the NWPS, and she nailed, uh, she nailed, she nailed it. Um, she got the the number of rooms right. She she everything she said correlated with what we were told was going on regarding um, different events and things that were happening. Um, I'm a skeptical believer. My thing is like, you got to show me if you're going to make a claim, you got to show me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was impressed that night. I, I know the team was, uh, and so it wasn't long after that. I invited Jennifer to come to Wisconsin and finish the case with us because the case wasn't wrapped up at that point yet. And, um, and she did. She she came up, and uh, we've been together ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very, very nice. So, yeah. So, now it's, uh, since then, we got married. And, you know, six years later, uh, here we are, you know. Um, so, but, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would have never guessed that I would, um, I didn't join Facebook to, to find uh, the love you know, of your life, I, yeah. Exactly, um, and I didn't think it would uh, it would it would come from across the U.S. You know, uh, she was in Florida oh, wow. uh, with CSI Paranormal at the time, and uh, yeah, I so that's how we met. So sweet, very sweet. Right, so so with me. Um, getting to where I am, paranormally speaking, I knew when I was uh, at a year young, at a very early, very young age, I knew I was different. And I say this because at a very young age, I, just like today, was able and still am able to see, hear, and feel spirits. Mm -hmm. And when I would have my experiences, um, they would appear as real as me and you. So when I first started having my encounters, I would literally think that they were 
physical people until you know I started getting older and I had thank god I had the support system I did because anytime I had questions or something made me uncomfortable if I were scared of something I had my family there for me oh that's nice um there are there were several women in the family that were gifted and so that helped me a lot um so that was kind of my introduction into the paranormal. Um, and Jen, did they, did your family encourage you then and, and not do the usual hush, hush, you can't tell anybody about this, they'll think you're crazy, you know, the usual spiel a lot of people hear. Well, no, we, we talked about it around the house. Um, Very good. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's not one of those things that they would label me, you know, tell me not to speak about it. I just chose not to speak in okay. public about it. Because I'd realized, you know, from speaking to them that not everybody in the neighborhood had the same things going on as I did. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that it wouldn't, it wouldn't just be something I should be like, hey, you know, I saw a spear today. What about you? You know? Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, that got me, you know, as I got older, I started researching and um, watching TV shows and going to libraries and getting my hands on books, anything paranormal that I could possibly get my hands on. Um, as far as, and then when I started, when I found Facebook, and this was a while before I met Kevin, I was a member of CSI Paranormal, City Sightings Investigations. A uh, great group of people. Um, I'm still really good friends with the founder, Herc. So, uh, I was with them for a good number of years until I met Kevin and got involved with our society up here. But in between that, I used to do, when I was living in South Florida, I used to offer to do medium walks for people or for paranormal teams that request that had clients that requested them. And during one of my walks is one of the, one of the is, was, I guess I could say one of the first times or, well, not the first time, one of many times, I was actually introduced to something demonic. Uh-oh. And in this particular case, I had been called uh, locally around my neighborhood to do a walk of a home. Family contacts a team. They're scared. Kids are being affected. You know, experiencing the cold spots, the hot spots, the footsteps, the voices. Stuff you hear about all the time, the lights flickering. Um... Back then, I would prefer to do my walks clean. And when I say that, I didn't want any information. Right. Because I didn't want my walks tainted. So they got me to this house, and I remember pulling up, and I got out of the car. And it felt like I walked into this big, thick wall of heavy oppressiveness. I had a really bad feeling. I automatically knew something was wrong, but I couldn't quite pinpoint it at that time. And so I go in, and the team introduces me to the homeowners, and we're standing there, and before I did my walk, I kept on focusing on one area in the hallway, and that was the closet. And I had asked them, you know, if they were aware of any, if they, you know, if they, if they used any Ouija boards, if they practiced anything occult-like, and of course they said no. At the same time, I keep getting this nagging feeling to go check the closet. 
And so I ask, and the homeowner, he opens up uh, the closet, and I'm looking around, and I notice there's a loose floorboard. Okay. And at this point, I had asked if they knew what was there, and they said that they didn't. So they reached in, and they pulled out a piece of cloth. Well, they uncovered this piece of cloth, and underneath the piece of cloth was Ouija board. Uh oh. And they, I thought at the time, were genuinely shocked. And they told me they, they told everybody they, they didn't know it was there. They never thought to check it. What have you? And so I decided I was going to do my walk. Now the house I walked had two levels, so it had like the bottom floor and then it had the the top floor. I walked the whole entirety of the bottom floor and. I don't feel anything. And I decide I'm going to, you know, and I let them know. But I said I wasn't done because I wanted to walk around the upstairs. So the type of steps they had is when you walk up a handful of stairs and it's got like one big flat step and it curves on an angle. And I had gotten up that far of the steps. My hand was on the banister. I completely froze. I was looking up at the foot of the steps in front of me was a seven-foot-tall black mass. Oh, boy. I had never seen something that intense before. And I was completely frozen to the banister. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. I couldn't talk. And after what seemed like an eternity, I felt a rush of cold air. And I realized at this point, I felt the cold air because that same mass picked me up from where I was standing and threw me across the room and I smacked right up against the wall. Oh my gosh. Um, I have a scar from it. It's a nice little reminder. I My ankle was sprained, but it wasn't bruised. So, in this, you know, at this point, the, the team that was there, they run over and they're helping me up. They, I look over to, you know, see what the homeowners are doing. The homeowners are laughing. What? Laughing? Laughing. Like laughing. And when this thing was busy picking me up and throwing me, it basically told me I had no right to be there. It was invited. Oh, wow. And Interesting. They got me to the door, and I looked at these people, and I said, you guys don't need help from paranormal teams, you guys need Jesus. I said, that is some sick stuff to do by baiting people to come in, because that's what they were doing. They were, beating, they were baiting people to come in to see if they could pick up on any activity. Sure. Um, so I leave, and a couple of days later, I start noticing black shadows around the house during the day. Oh, no. I get the same feeling that I'm not alone that I got when I was in the house. Uh, it had gotten to the point where it didn't matter if it was day or night. I would get scratched. I would get pinned to furniture. I would get pinned up against furniture. And there were, um, and I think the time that I finally had it and I couldn't take any activity anymore because I wanted this thing gone. Um, I had called a priest from the local Catholic church and I explained to him what had been going on. And he said he would come out the next day and do a blessing. Not the major rite of exorcism, a blessing. Mm -hmm. In case anybody's wondering. 
So I get off the phone with them. And the same night before I go to bed, I decide I'm going to take a shower. I'm standing there in the shower, minding my own business. Now I wear St. Benedict's and St. Michael medals. At this time, I don't take them off. They're part of my DNA. I had them on a ribbon. I'm in mid shower and I just, and it's the point where I have my eyes closed and I heard clanking sounds. I look down and the medals are off the ribbon on the floor at my feet. When that happened, I felt that same familiar cold rush of air. I was then pinned to the wall by this thing, and I got the snot smacked out of me. Oh, no. Um, excuse me. It was so bad that when I got out and I calmed myself down because I was pretty hysterical uh, and fed up, I was kind of a mix at this point, and I told him what happened. And um, he came over next day, and he did a house blessing. And he got rid of it. I didn't have any problems after that. Um, the experience was so much on me that usually when I talk about it, it gives me anxiety. It's to the point where when I go to sleep, I have to have nightlight in the bedroom. If I'm in a room at night, there has to be either a lamp on or a nightlight nearby because I refuse to sleep in the dark. Hmm. Um, now, instead of, now you would think, someone like me have that experience that I would be, you know, running away from it, don't want anything to do with it. No, I decided the opposite. I decided that I wanted to help people because I realized that there were people out there that had it just like me or worse. Mm -hmm. And so I started my studies on demonology and, um, God, how many years ago was it? Oh, I found Ken, when I found my men when I found Ken, Ken passed away earlier this year. Right. Ken Deal. Ken Deal. Um, mm -hmm. Franciscan Roman Catholic yeah. demonologist. Yeah. At the, the uh, so so probably like yeah. Um, well, you you studied under him for four years. Yeah, I studied under him for four years, and then before that too. Also, I joined an organization called Presidium Warriors of Saint Michael. And I'm, I'm glad you pronounced that. Because I, <laughs> yeah, because I, I yeah. <laughs> and that was actually started by Father Bob Bailey. And it was an offshoot for people who were looking to connect with the organization in regards to any diabolical or negative cases up here. Spiritual um, warfare. Spiritual warfare. Right. And to quickly backtrack before I quit hogging the microphone here um, <laughs> with the encounter that I had um, I had come to find out later around the neighborhood that this this these parents were bragging to some of their neighbors about the stuff that they were doing to the point where when their kids were born they had rituals and attached demons to their children hmm. um, the church from what I last heard and understood and child services intervened and got the children taken out of there. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. Very good. So, yeah. But, you know, and then that that's kind of it for the demonology. And then a couple of years ago, I hooked up with Dr. Chuck Kennedy from the Project PSI Institute in Chicago. And we work on, through remote viewing, missing persons and uh, cold cases. Very, very good. Uh, 
going to ask what your your success rate is. Have, have you been able to help them solve a lot? We've sold. Okay, I can tell you as far as cold case murders, we've signed, we've solved eight to nine cold case murders. Wow. And we've brought we've brought home close to fifty six children. Oh, oh fantastic! My gosh. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Truly a cool setup. What they got going on over there at the institute. Okay, so Dr. Kennedy is a neuroscientist, and uh, so his his research, he was interested in how the brain worked in uh, for psychics and, and and people with abilities. So uh, he would he, he was researching this. He would scan out the brain, uh, scan the brains of. Uh, psychics while they were doing different psychic exercises to see what parts of the brain is, uh, were firing and, and being used and whatnot. So he had mapped out like 400 and some psychics and over the years uh, he been, he's been doing this since the 60s, right? Um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he's in his 70s now. And uh, uh, so, so over the years, he met some really, really good psychics, and and he thought to himself, you know, I wonder if I, you know, bring the psychics together that I've mapped out, uh, the ones that I feel are legitimate and credible, that I've even verified with science or him, you know, uh, that could we bring home a missing person was his thing, and so he. He decided, um, uh, being a man of science, that he needed to set up a way to vet uh, the information he was getting from psychics, because no psychic is 100% right. Mm -hmm. Psychics make mistakes. And so how can you deal with that and still set up something that's, you know, based on scientific method? And so he came up with this computer matrix. So today he works with 12 different psychics throughout North America. Jennifer is one of them, and uh, what he does is for each psychic, he, he the, the psychics don't talk to each other, Mm-mm. okay? They don't share case information or anything. We're not even allowed to watch the TV or the news or read the paper. Oh, wow. Um, and so he gives them a name and a photo and, like, a... a, a picture like a map yeah google map coordinates and they meditate on that and then get back with them and give them the impressions and then what he does is he takes their impressions and he puts it into the matrix and after he does this with all the psychics that are working whatever case he's working on the matrix picks out the commonality points that the psychics picked up on anything that was the same that all the psychics mentioned or you know it could even be more than one psychic for that matter. But, um, and that's the information that he would use and give to law enforcement, yeah. feeling that it's vetted and that if he's getting multiple psychics that are coming up with the same thing, there must be something to it. Oh, wow. And so, uh, yeah, and that's, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. one one case where... Uh, yeah, we could talk about this one. The, the psychics had mentioned a red barn on the edge of town or a red house on the edge of town. And that um, it was like five of the 12 had had touched on this. 
And so he had told the, the local um, police department, the, the guy he was in contact with about it. And um, they did. They, they, he said, you know, you need to look for any red barn or house or building on the edge of town. Because, you know, I got, you know, psychics telling me that this isn't, you know, important to the case. And so they did. And they found one. And they raided it. And not only did they find the missing kid they were looking for, but they found a whole room full of them. And it turned out to be uh, human trafficking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm glad you found it. yeah that's amazing that's so cool that's the matrix that's how it works you know that's that's awesome right i I love the way it's got set up and awesome right so the way that we work another way we work through with doc is that we don't contact law enforcement we are protected by doc he contacts law enforcement and he deals with the families good um because some of the stuff like kevin was just saying you know when you think you're looking for something you for like one kid and you come across a, a, a red barn and then you go to the back of the red barn and there are literally 15 to 16 girls shackled at the ankles together waiting to be trafficked oh my god wow that's oh wow. I, I just can't even imagine that you, you see stuff like that on television but to yeah. uh, be involved in it and seeing it, it that's that's staggering mm-hmm. yeah he's got a book that it's the latest book he's written. He's written a whole bunch of them. Um, he's got like 15 books. It's called The Power of Psy or PSI. Mm-hmm. Um, the story behind the project PSI and how it came about. Um, it's really interesting. That's, I mean, that's, uh, I think it's, I, and that's something that he wants to be able to, uh, you know, um, in, in find different ways to uh, incorporate it on a larger scale, mm-hmm. or um, you know, uh, have other teams besides his team, you know, mm-hmm. do this. So right, just expand it, understand. Right. Mm-hmm. So now his research now is into uh, one of the things he he found when he was doing research into psychic mediums was that there's a high percentage with neurological disorders. Autoimmune disease. Auto, I'm sorry, autoimmune diseases. And so, uh, you know, um, he still does his, his research. But the the whole, you know, saying, you know, let's see if we could bring home a missing person. And then saying, wow, we actually did that. You know, let's set up something that we can continue to do that. And then to have it to where... You can continue to do that to the point where they've got a whole program down set up. You know, um, that's really cool. I, mm-hmm. I think it's I think right. it's cool stuff. Yeah. So, guys, now we've in from the chat room, we've got a few questions that the listeners would like um, to ask you guys. So, I'm acting on their behalf here. Uh, the first is from, and I hope I pronounce this right, Rody in Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. And he is curious about he ha, he has a few questions for you. Rody's a she. Oh, Rody. oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't sure. Okay. R O D Y. I don't know. Okay, uh, sorry, Rody. Um, <laughs> and she would like to know what's your favorite piece of ghost hunting equipment and why. 
Ooh, why there are so many? I would have to say out of physical equipment would be the ghost box, but I would think my overall favorite equipment are my senses. Fences? What? My, no, my senses. Oh, senses. Sorry. Yeah, my senses. Because nine out of ten times, you know, nine out of ten times when you go to investigations, if there's something there, you're going to feel it before equipment picks it up. Mm-hmm. That's true. The human body is like the best tool we have to detect um, changes in our environment and whatnot. Um, Favorite equipment. Uh, I'm not as, personally, I'm not as big of a fan with the ghost box. I like, uh, oh boy. I always have a, a EMF meter. You know, um, digital. I, I like the the the, the EVPs, the old fashioned mm-hmm. EVPs, just straight up digital recorder or audio recorder, um, or analog recorder. I mean, I'm sorry, analog audio recorder or <laughs> digital analog uh, audio recorder. Either um, that to me is when you can get uh, an answer, a voice, a message that uh, in a controlled environment that was not said out loud uh, that goes a long way so that holds a lot of weight so for me it would Mm -hmm. have to be the digital recorder okay I guess and a few follow up questions were uh, what is your most memorable investigation together and separately well for me separately it would have to be the one I described hmm with my encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how could you forget that? that yeah. That's Yeah, that's something that that kind of takes a piece of you with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um separately I'd have to say uh the first thing that came to mind was uh a night me and uh, uh an investigator uh, 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 with the NWPS from years ago uh, we spent in an abandoned house in the middle of nowhere that was uh, reportedly haunted and uh, I was able to get some footage that night on the high 8 night vision camera the Sony um, that has survived the test of time and is probably uh, some of the best unexplainable stuff I've gotten that I just cannot explain what it is and nobody I've showed has got a good explanation either um, and uh, just that night um, we, I had a bird fly at me uh, inside a, a, a where I did the whole duck and cover thing as it dive bombed me and <laughs> I had a mouse that ran all across the floor I watched this mouse Literally run across, all the way across the floor, right up to me, and jump right at me for no reason. Oh no! <laughs> we get mouse home. attacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I get attacked by these animals and stuff, and it was just the house in the middle of nowhere being abandoned and creepy as it was, and um, the the whole. And then of course watching the evidence. Uh, it was like a couple days later we watched it, and there's like a ten second, not even a ten second clip, where something materializes on frame or materializes 
moves and then dematerializes before it goes off frame. And oh, wow. I don't, so I would have to say that. Um, together, it would have to be what, well, we've been on so many, it's hard to tell. Right. I mean, we just, uh, we got a, the book that's coming out is filled with different examples. Um, probably, you know, one of the, the law, the most information on a case that we wrote about was the case that she remote viewed that she came up and worked on and we finished together being that was our first case we worked together being that was um, that particular case uh, Chami Charming Gwen Pond had done a deliverance a home deliverance um, that particular case our resident psychotherapist uh, had a paranormal experience um, during the home deliverance his first paranormal experience in 60 years uh, he's seen a little black shadow thing run right by him and go right out the front door. Um, hmm. The door was open. It was during a home deliverance, and he was there to make sure that uh, there was a cat in the house. And he didn't want the cat to get out. And uh, it wasn't the cat that ran by him either. Um, <laughs> this is, <laughs> right. but yeah, but there was enough going on with that case, and we had, we had. Uh, yeah, that would have to be it. Right. For me, I think our favorite case that we worked together with our society up here was Summerwind. Oh, really? We, we had had um, we got a whole one chapter. of our tech people with us, and we had had a nerve center set up across from the foundation. And there were a handful of us in the basement area doing an EVP session. And one of the things, one of the first things that happened was when we were we had our backs to the middle to the foundation so you couldn't see inside the foundation because the way we were sitting during the EVP session and during we can you can you know visibly you can audibly hear it you can hear little rocks hitting the little the wall where we were sitting and at some point in the night Kevin had the night vision camera out and he was just filming all of us and we were just doing an EVP session and he pans his camera around to the archways that you could walk into to go to where the basement used to be, where we were sitting. And from the right side of the hill, a shadow figure appeared. Mm. And it stopped in front of us for a few seconds. And it, after it hovered, it went to the far left. And after a few seconds later, it literally came back the way it went. And the interesting one, the interesting thing was there was no movement of grass. There were no leaves. There were no twigs snapping when we saw this. And it was at this point Kevin had asked if any of us were smoking. And we're all like, no. And he goes, because I just caught something really cool on the camera. And when you we have it on the, the light page. And when you pay the, when you play the footage back, you can actually see it walk into frame, out of frame, and then back in and out of frame again. The one that's on the like page shows it as walking down. Yeah. It doesn't show it walking back up yeah. the hill. Um, but yeah. So and the thing was we had cameras set up everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I was filming three people standing still. I was standing still, and the last person in their group was all the way at the other end, watching the nerve center, watching the monitors. And had a camera on him too. 
So everybody was accounted for. Everybody was standing still. I pan over and I see this black, what I thought was black smoke on, on the monitor. And that's why I says, I don't smoking because we're not supposed to be smoking cigarettes while we're right. doing it. <laughs> and that yeah. would have been more and, white right. anyway, right? Well, it would be white, right. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it, it's a, a little monitor. It's a night vision, you know, I, I, it looked like smoke, mm-hmm. but it looked like black smoke. And you're right. It didn't look like the normal cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, no. And I said, well, I think I got something really cool on camera. And when we brought it home and we watched it, I realized that it wasn't black smoke. It was a, a shadow or wow. a, either a shadow person or a shadow of something that was invisible that had walked down the hill and stopped. And then when I said, did it, was anyone smoking? And everyone said no. And I said, well, I got something on camera. Then it walked back the way it came. And, uh, yeah. And, and uh, Summerwind is, like, considered Wisconsin's most haunted place, or one of them. Mm-hmm. It's been on the cover of Time Life magazine. It was uh, one of the first uh, stories picked for a haunting when that show aired which has since done, I don't know how many hmm. seasons. Um, I think that's where I first saw it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a notable, years and years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the reports says shadow people. And we got that. We got a shadow person or a shadow of something walking around when everyone was standing still. Like I said, and, and you watch all the other cameras, and there's nobody walking around. There's no reason for that shadow of, of somebody walking to be where it was when it was. So guys, a couple of questions here from the chat. And first off from Chris, and I didn't ask where Chris was from. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, he's asking about, do you use scrying? A scrying mirror. Um, yeah, scrying mirror. We right. We know what scrying is. We don't do it. Okay. Personally. Um, but... We know what it is. Okay. So. It looks okay. like he's and got I'm North MO. Hi, Rody, too. Hey, Rody. Out in Texas. Yep. Hi. Yeah, we love <laughs> Rody. Rody's awesome. Yes, Rody's awesome. We've had Rody on Paraversal University. Okay. Cool. The next question I have for you is dealing with summer wind because it burned down, I think, in October 2017. So are there any plans to rebuild it or have you been back to the area since? It burned down in 1988. Yes. 1988. Oh, it was 88? Yes. Yes. Well, I thought it was more recent. Yeah, we. I have an article from the JS Online that's dated from um, 2017, October 2017. Huh. So. Uh, maybe, yeah, that's, um, no, Summer One burned down. Summer One and the Servants' Quarters both burned down the same okay. night. And um, there were three theories uh, one was that it was hit by lightning, um, and that was the official theory, mm-hmm. the official reason, which uh, I never bought and I never believed. The second one was that high school kids burned it down one night mm-hmm. when they were parked. Um, the third one was that the town burned it down because they were tired of people going out there and partying all the time and checking mm-hmm. it out because the owners lived um, in a different state and didn't police the property themselves. So there was nobody out there, um, 
you know, to kick trespassers off. Mm-hmm. So there's all people there, and and the town get tired of it. Okay, so it, the article it's from uh, the Milwaukee Journal, I think Sentinel they call it. It was a thirty years. It was a rehash of an article. Uh, they updated it from thirty years ah. ago. So right, it tricked us with its date, but it is you're right, 1988, June 19th, 1988. Yep. And uh, but yeah, so but now it's just somewhere in ruins. And the irony is, uh, by the way, um, I for the longest time I thought it was high school kids because I was in high school when it burned down, oh, living mm-hmm. in the. Uh, uh, like an hour away from summer when so it wasn't that far um and i had heard about it from kids in high school before i heard about it on the news or from any adults uh, so i thought high school kids burned it down but years later people started coming forward and talking about different things and saying stuff and then some information came to light we wrote an article for supernatural magazine on it that article came out uh, like three or four days later, the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel wrote an article on it, um, and that was uh, I, that might have been the article that you cited in 2017. Um, I'm trying to remember if our article was in 2017 or 2018, uh, but either way, yeah. So they they wrote a piece too on it because. Um, it was speculated that the town actually did perhaps burn it down. People were saying that, and there were some some stuff had surfaced about it. So, uh, but be that as it may, it never stopped people from going out there, mm-hmm. and that's the irony. Right. Oh. Is that and to this day, it's known as the Summer Wind Ruins, and it's just as active as it's ever been. Right. I mean, wow. uh, there was an effort for a while to they had the original blueprints and. Uh, there, there was a couple individuals who wanted to raise the money and build uh, summer wind up, build it back again, and do a bed and breakfast with the original blueprints. But that really never got off the ground. Right. Mm. And just so we, just so we let all the listeners out there know, by us talking about this, we're not encouraging any of you that might be local to go out there. Um, yeah, it's private property. It's private property. We have permission to go, and if you go, because there are neighbors on both sides, you could end up in some trouble because the cops do check that place every now and then. More than that. More than that, really. And because of the condition of the foundation, is also dangerous. Sure. So we don't recommend that you just trespass. So, kids, find somewhere else to party. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, has anyone done any research into the, the history of the, the location, the land, the, you know, the, that that whole bit? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it started as uh, um, a fishing. Uh, it was West Bay Lake Fishing Lodge. And that was then sold to um, uh, Mr. Lamont, right, who um, had a federal position, had uh, a lot of money, and he 
built what's known or what was known as the Summerwind Mansion. Right. At, at that time, if I remember correctly, it was called Lilac Hills. So um, him and his wife lived there with their servants. The servants had a building to themselves. Uh, the servants complained that the place was haunted. And uh, the owners didn't believe it until one night when they were at their table and somebody walked through the basement door or came up from the basement through the door. And when Mr. Lamont saw it, he took his gun out and fired two shots or a couple shots at it and it disappeared. Um, and the bullet holes were in the door until the, all the way until it burned down. Oh, wow. Uh, so they sold the place to a lady who owned it for decades, who, um, it is written, had, uh, let the mafia have meetings there. So there were mob meetings there for a while. After that, yeah. Um, after that, then, uh. The, the Hinshaw family comes into the picture. And with them, that's the story that you see on A Haunting. Mm-hmm. With the, the guys playing the organ crazy in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> and all that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that time period. And then after that, uh, it went abandoned for about 10 years. And that was the time when it became a rite of passage for every high school kid in Northern Wisconsin to go out there and party. And it really still, nothing's changed. It's still a rite of passage. And what's, what's really, what's really, what's really neat about this is, and again, for complete respect to the owners, cause they are private people. So not going to use any names here, but she had asked her husband one year for an anniversary present. And he went out and got the deed to Summerwind and came home and basically happy anniversary. Here's the deed to Summerwind. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. it's a, it's a talk nice about, thought, right? <laughs> right talk, about a, talk about a unique anniversary present. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A deed to the, what was considered the most haunted house in America at the time, or one of them. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah, and it's, it's a sad tragedy that that the place burnt down because they only owned it for a couple of years and then it burnt mm-hmm. and they never had a chance to do anything with it. Mm. And, uh, go ahead. You were going to say something. I, I was going to say, um, cause we, we have some new questions in the chat, but they're on a different topic, which is UFOs. Ooh. Ooh, that's your bag. <laughs> <laughs> so it, any parting words on summer wind before I ask the question from Chris from Northern Missouri? Um, no, not really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Someone's uh, interesting place. Yeah. Okay. Just, so, yeah. with the UFO question, it is: Are you familiar with the Carbondale, Pennsylvania fireball uh, into the lake and how the mysterious light lasted for four hours? I think it was in 1975. Are you talking about Shag Harbor? Is Chris? Can you well, respond? Shag in, in the late sixties. This is something different. Yeah. Okay. Um. I, then I would have to say I am. Um, it would be no. Okay. Not offhand. But we can talk about Wisconsin UFOs now. 
We can talk about we can talk about any UFOs. Yeah, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not gonna know every case out there, but I, you know, I, I know a bunch of stuff about ufology. Right, you know a lot of the you know a lot of the bigger you know most well. I know some stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, but. Yeah. So Chris is confirming. No, it was in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. It wasn't the the one that you had referenced. Oh, okay. Sure. Sounds interesting, though. Um, yeah. Let me see what I can dig up and put in the chat. Yeah, that'd be cool. He says he was there four hours after the news radio report, and it had already been surrounded by the military, and nobody could get close. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that. But, you know, I mean, b- before we talk more about UFOs, it just sounds like you you all kind of have your, your hands on a lot of the different uh, paranormal aspects and, and, you know, ghosts to cryptids and UFOs. And so, like, what is your favorite, I guess you'd say your favorite uh, things to research and investigate? I, I don't know. See, with me, I don't have a favorite. And I say this because there are so much amazing, awesome, wonderful stuff that you can learn. And if you look at if you look at the different categories, everything ties in together in some way or another. Yeah, when you step back and look at the bigger picture, it all ties in together. Um, I don't have a favorite one either. I like the 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 diversity actually. Um, I, I I'm just I, I like the unknown and unexplained. I right. guess it's, it's like it's like your children. You love them all separately, but you know the same. Right, <laughs> right. And the paranormal historian in me encompasses all eight categories of the unknown and unexplained. Right. The ufologist title comes from uh, my certification with MUFON. <laughs> um, How long have you been in MUFON? I w- I am not with MUFON formally. Oh. MUFON. I'm sorry, formally. Yes. So, and and MUFON, um, I I realized there was a point where um, nobody in our society had any training with ufology stuff, aside from my love for uh, UFO history, but that wasn't investigation training. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I looked into MUFON, and I decided that was something I was interested in. Um, and so I, they have, of course, got the MUFON Bible, which is this huge, mass, massive book <laughs> on uh, ufology. Um, it, it's got other stuff in there, too. It's got uh, some meteorology some astronomy uh it's based on scientific method also on you know um, interviewing people the witnesses and collecting information and and different resources and all this stuff and i spent a year studying this massive book and uh then you take a test and if you pass the test and then you pass the background check then you become a certified field investigator. Cool. And, um, yeah, so I did that. And I, I guess I never realized that there was so much involved with, with that. I, I guess, you a, know, I thought one, you know, one day you just wake up and say, you know, I'd like to be a member and you join. So I didn't realize you did have to be so, you know, 
yeah, it's, going it's, through all that. It's, it's pretty awesome, actually. And that information is collected from decades of people in military. You know, you're talking uh, right. all kinds of information from science, scientists across the board. Um, and ufology now is no longer just pseudoscience. There are um, a few colleges around the planet that are offering courses in ufology now. And uh, the, the basics that they're using is the same information I studied. Um. So when I took the certification, that was the best ufology, um, uh, I guess, certification or training you can get was the MUFON course. Uh, but since then, it's been acknowledged by academia. Um First with the college in Turkey and then with other colleges. Um, once one college broke the ground and offered it, another college started to. It, it's, it hasn't taken hold everywhere yet, and it probably won't. Just like parapsychology, uh, it's it's select few colleges offer it, you know, um, and that's it. Most right. colleges don't have anything on that. And that will it's like, like a continuing education course a lot of times, you know. But it's, it's important that it's acknowledged, and I'm yeah. glad it's acknowledged. So yeah, uh, That's awesome. Right. So we uh, affiliated with MUFON, and as a society, we decided that we would affiliate with them for a year, and then we would reflect upon it and s decide from there if we wanted to continue with it or not. Mm -hmm. And there were some compatibility issues. Uh that had come up that made it difficult for us to work as an affiliate. And in other words, the NWPS has the, the, the idea behind the NWPS was to bring the best act, uh, the best paranormal minds in the Northwoods into one place to help families. And so for me as an investigator, the other investigators that are part of that collective are a resource to me. When I'm working on a case, I want to be able to use my resources to help whoever I'm investigating for. But when other investigators aren't allowed to participate because they haven't paid MUFON dues, then it becomes a problem. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, uh, and I, I just, it, it was, for me, it was a problem for everybody else. It was unfair. And so, um, we ultimately decided that we were, um, better just as the NWPS and, uh, yeah, so, my, the training and what I learned from MUFON, and, you know, we still have the book here. It's always here. You know, I'll always have the information. I'm glad I did it. Uh, it gave it, in fact, a lot of that stuff could be used in uh, any paranormal investigation. Um, the structure, the, the, just everything that goes into it. I'm glad for it, and I would do it again. Okay. Um, real quick, we do have jumping subjects, though, for Jennifer. 
we have a question for you from Rodi. And okay. she is asking, uh, what are the steps used to determine if a darker demonic entity is present? And how does someone without abilities make that determination? Hmm. Well, abilities are not. Um, there are stages to demonic activity in a home. And the first one is invitation. And invitation happens when some kind of doorway is opened knowingly or unknowingly, such as someone maybe doing black magic or somebody using a Ouija board out of curiosity just to see if anything would happen. Um, then you have infestation. Infestation is, it's kind of like when I talked about earlier in my encounter about seeing the little black shadows. People will start to notice smells like um, rotting, decaying flesh or garbage or fecal matter or sour milk. Um, they make, you know, the shadows. Um, then you have oppression. And oppression occurs when the demonic entity is, is has been in the home for some time and will systematically work on breaking down each member of the household one by one. And when they do this, they may make it sound like the particular person that they're working on at that time is crazy because nobody else is experiencing anything. Uh, obsession is when it starts to really, really escalate. And that's when people will start getting physically attacked. Um, they'll have nightmares. They'll see horrifying things. Um, and these attacks will be frequent. Sometimes it can even escalate to sexual stuff happening. Then you have perfect possession. And, oh, I'm sorry, you have possession. And possession is basically when you have a person in the home that is the primary target is speaking languages this person never learned and can possibly never know. Um, like speaking in tongues or speaking Latin. Levitation is another thing. Um, levitation can happen with the possessed person. Um, it can actually also happen with furniture. Um, when you're dealing with a possessed person, They'll contort. Their body will bend in ways not normally humanly possible for the average person to even be able to do. And it'll be at that point where, with the demonic, they have one goal, and the ultimate goal is death. And possession is the point where you know, clergy may need to be called, clergy will need to be calling, you know, you, you have to start looking at for exorcists, demonologists, 
Um, there is one that I will mention too that's with possession. There is a such thing as perfect possession. And perfect possession occurs when a person knowingly in, invites the, the demonic entity in and lets it take over the person. When you have perfect possession, this person functions just like you and I do. You know, you could be walking down the street past one, hypothetically, and not know it because they dress normal. They eat. They sleep. You know, they do the same stuff that we do to function. And unless it chose to manifest and let you see something from it, you wouldn't know that person's necessarily possessed. Does One the person would... themselves know that they're possessed? Yeah, when you with perfect possession, yes. Well, yeah, if you're inviting it. I'm sorry. Yes. I would say any stage of right. possession, this stage as Jennifer mentioned, mm -hmm. um, if, if anyone, you know, you know um, when people contact us, you know, we need you got to collect all the information yeah and got to see where they're at with this even yeah. if it, even if it is in the first place you know um the uh basic diabolical cases are basically determined on the level of severity of cases you know in other words if we say 10 percent of all haunting cases are demonic in nature that means that that's going to be the 10 percent that is the worst. That's the worst of the worst, which usually has a lot of nasty stuff going on. And then with that, they could be at any stage of the game, you know. Uh, and at some point, they realize that, you know, it, it, and it's usually like an infestation to the uh, oppression. That's when they start realizing that, that, you know, stuff starting to get nasty and that they right. got an issue. From that point on, uh, from any point on that they recognize there's a problem, it could be dealt with. You know, the worse the problem gets, the more that's got to be done to dealt with it. And then, of course, there's aftercare too. Right. Which is something that you never hear anybody talk about, really. I mean, you hear some people talk about, but not many. But we find that it's really important and relevant to make sure that people don't do things to invite stuff back in right away. And that they're doing the things to stay strong enough to combat anything should it, um, you know, rear its ugly head again. Yeah, because when you get any, any cases like this, you also want to make sure you need to do a background check. You need to find out if there's been any a kind of abuse in the home, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Does this person have or does more than one person in the family have mental illnesses? You know, so when you when you when you get cases, they may or may not necessarily be demonic. But those factors come heavily into play because you need to determine. Yeah, the medical and and the psychological has got to be yeah. evaluated. And now, I I was just curious though, being a demonologist, do you assist with exorcisms, or do you um, can you perform some sort of an exorcism by I yourself? Or? Okay, what I do from being with, you know, um, Presidium Warriors over the years, and then, of course, mentoring under my mentor, I do home deliverance. Okay, that's what that was, okay. I do home deliverances when I need Kind of like Bill Bean does. Have you worked with him? There's, there's two kinds of, of 
exorcism or deliverance and and mm-hmm. basically exorcism is just a brand name for deliverance it's a roman right. Catholic brand name for yeah. deliverance um and that's a personal deliverance or a property deliverance now yeah. so like um what jennifer does is property like if if um if if, if we get a case and they feel uh and we feel that there are there's demonic elements to it, but it's not escalated to the point of possession. Right, or any or, of the much harsher stages that we mentioned. Right, then we could come in and Jennifer can do a home deliverance, and I assist with that. And um, it would be Jennifer and Reverend Tommy and myself, and uh, of course Reverend just passed. Right. To explain but, uh, to explain the process of the deliverance, basically would go into a home, talk with the clients. Um, we have everything from holy water. We have blessed incense, frankincense, and myrrh. The sacraments. The sacraments. You know, we have we get blessed medals for the clients as well. Um, when we get there and we set up, I have a binder kind of. It's like in a it's like in a binder it's like in a binder form I guess, and it's got a, a mixture of Catholic and Christian prayers in it, and it's got prayers like you know the Our Father the Hail Mary the Saint Michael prayer. This particular home deliverance that I do on, for the home and property, I'm calling down not only in God and Jesus but I'm also calling down every saint of spiritual warfare. To basically come into the home and remove anything that that that's there that may be demonic. Mm-hmm. Um, before I start, usually I will walk around to the windows, the doorways. I will anoint them with holy oil and holy water. I will spray the corners of each room with holy water as well. And what we like to do is we like to usually have a window or a door open. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm walking around saying the prayers, Kevin and Tommy, and if the homeowners wish to get in on their deliverance, will burn incense and they'll carry it around. And there are prayers that I say that everybody repeats. And I basically do this in every room of the house. I even go to we even go to the extent of putting blessed and exercised Saint Benedict medals over doorways of homes. Uh, we hand medals to each of the homeowners, though the family members. If, you know, we anoint them, at, we anoint their foreheads at the end of it. If they have any pets, the pets get anointed too. Nobody's left out. Um, if they want us to expand to the perimeter outside, we will then get sets of medals um, and bury them on the four corners of the property. This way, what we've pushed out of the house and off the property wouldn't necessarily be able to come back on. So when we do, when I do these home, when we do these home deliverances, they're really thorough, and you you have to be just that thorough. Yeah, we burn uh, the the frankincense and the myrrh. We use a, I use a swinging um, sensor. Yeah, I uh, and charcoal. Like a, a charcoal brick, and mm-hmm. then I put the the you know the brazier thing. Yeah, right? I, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, and, and when we're done, I mean, you can see the cloud is the, the smoke is very thick because uh, it's a two thing, two part process. It's one of it is, of course, the prayer, right? Um, the, the spiritual side, and the other part is the physical part, the changing, uh, uh, you're changing the vibration in in the atmosphere. You're taking a, a solid and changing it into a gaseous form. When that happens, it releases a higher vibration. When you burn certain uh, medicines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in, that are said to uh, increase the vibration. You know, like I said, uh, frankincense and myrrh, sage, sweetgrass, jasmine, nag champa. Uh, there's there are different stuff around the globe now, that different right. religions use, and it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing scientific tests now, finding that smudging actually does have beneficial properties to the environmental right. so um yeah it's that two-part process and we go in and do that right. and then of course there's aftercare you know we talked to them about keeping that plug in that connection to god not talking about the activity not doing anything to possibly bring up activity again um we give them prayers that they can use yeah the the, you know? the manual jennifer uses is this the warrior's manual and that was given to her too by Bob Bailey, right. Father Bob Bailey, um, and that's got yeah, like you said, it's got it's got all the different prayers, um, and then it's right. got there are parts where the the homeowners got to say the prayers to too. take back their home and their property. Yeah, and uh, it, we have luck, not luck, I should say, we have success with it. Good yeah. luck. We have yeah. um, we have uh, it, it's it's definitely something that we can offer that the whole things it, it it works there's something to it well that's awesome it sounds like it's very thorough yeah, we wouldn't do it if it didn't i yeah. mean mm-hmm. um, it is it's a very thorough it's not something where we're doing it and the tv is on and they have people right. <laughs> it's not, i mean it's no. very it's done in the daytime yeah you know uh yeah anybody in the yeah, and we can't always do it with chami I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the reverend couldn't always be with us anything we had to do. So me and Jennifer would do it, or we'd have an investigator or two with us yeah. that are, you know, um, that that are uh, understanding of, of everything involved and what's going on and have their own connection, their own faith, which is strong. So uh, now, um, Rody was asking if I knew exactly what the charcoal was for and all I I in my head it's because of the smoke that it produces that helps carry all the negativity well, and and bad stuff out but I wasn't sure about that yeah the charcoal is you could buy them they come in little round uh they're little they're pellets, little aren't charcoal they, discs charcoal, yeah. yeah little charcoal discs and I use a just you know like a, a burner to like a, you could use a lighter or whatever, but they're they're made to light. So like you apply fire to them and they sparkle a little, or they you, you know, right. and they're they're like quick lighting, and they okay. they burn for about like twenty minutes. You could buy them for like hookahs and stuff. Right. Actually, people buy them for like uh, all kinds of stuff. like hash and stuff. Yeah. But you could, we use them for smudging because once that that round thing is going, you could put a the frankincense resin or the myrrh or both or both or whatever you're using, you put on top of it and that burns it. Right. And that 
only is turning whatever to smoke, a real thick smoke, and that and that goes throughout everywhere. So, you know, you just walk around and hit the corners of the room and closets and any and everywhere that you can get to and uh, work your way towards that eventual door. You know, like we'll, we'll uh, start in the basement, work our way up to the main level, go upstairs, work our way I mean, down to the main, main level, and then the main level, we work our way to the door to push it all out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every, you're going along and different prayers are set at different intervals and, yeah. you know, different things are done. And, um, uh, so. Now, do you, do you find it's better to have the, uh, homeowners involved in that process? Does it do a little more thorough cleansing job to have their energy and have them kind of take control of their home again? Or does it really matter that much? Well, it, they certain, yeah, like they're like, they have to be involved in the yes. whole thing mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a spiritual battle yeah. on, in, in, on their turf. So, I mean, it, it's, they got to be involved as far as like actually involved in the process. Yes. They walk around. Right. They'll with, say the prayers. They'll say the, you know, prayers and, and, uh, right. you know, amen and, yeah. and all that. And, yeah. and, we do make sure and we do these deliverances that if there are any families that we've dealt with that have kids that the kids are not particularly present when we do this. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's right. just smart. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, because who else? I and we don't know anybody else in our area that uh, will go into a situation that may be like that and try to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not saying that nobody else will, but we did. I mean, we just don't have. There's not a lot to choose from up sure. here. Sure, right. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of the go-to. Right. To answer your question earlier, yeah, we know who Bill Bean is. We're very familiar with him. Oh, um, uh-huh. I haven't worked with him, but I only work for the state of Wisconsin. I mean, I do have a like page on Facebook where people can reach me, and I do, and I have gotten requests to give people help and advice on 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 Facebook from like um, here in America and different parts of the world. But when I do the deliverances for homes, it's usually within the state of Wisconsin. Very nice. Well, I we had just um, before I switched switched the station up. Some uh, my other co-host had uh, he was close friends with Bill Bean, and we had him on a lot. And that's why I was just curious. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a great. Bill. He's a, yeah. yeah, and his you know we're non-denominational, yeah, and that mm-hmm. we're not, there's we don't have just one denomination. No, we're here to help we're, everybody. Yeah, um, so it's it's. Uh, and and I like that aspect about Bill Bean too. Yeah, yes. He's he doesn't let the he doesn't get stuck on the whole denomination thing. Um, he doesn't even care if you're pagan as long as you believe something. So yeah, yeah, he's helped a lot of people. Yes, <laughs> it so sounds you like got, you have too, though. That's fantastic. yeah, that's right. You have that's mm-hmm. a, that's incredible. Um, but no, I was just curious. Have you guys been on a case that like really, really scared you, and basically you said you're never going back to that place, or anything like that? Or did you take it as a challenge? <laughs> yeah. Never that we were never going back to it. We, yeah. There's, there was, for example, there was one time we were doing a home 
deliverance and it's a long story it's actually it's in the book we uh we we went into it was uh for a a couple an older couple we had done an investigating and they wanted us to come in and do what we could for the environment to to weed out or to get rid of the evil and, and the negative stuff that they were feeling and uh after looking into the case investigating it we felt that the the home deliverance was warranted <laughs> so on the day when it was supposed to happen what it, what it was the the couple the man and the wife and then the, their son who lived there part-time he was like 20 early 20s mm-hmm. and uh Anyway, so for the day of the deliverance, we get there, and it's it's them, and their son was there, and he and he showed up, and and um, he wanted to be there to for support. And up until this point, he wasn't really a factor in the whole thing, and that other than we were aware that he was, um, he would stay there part time, and you know not even half the time, and. We had talked with him and stuff, but and, and he shared his experiences with us. Um, but anyways, yeah, so he was there, and, and as we started going along with this, he started acting different. To make a long story short, uh, it got so bad that we had to stop what we were doing and leave because he had threatened to strangle Jennifer. She didn't immediately stop. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, it became apparent that uh, he had an attachment um, because as we were going, as we were starting this, um, like I said, it's, it's, I guess uh, when the book comes out, you have to read the book to find out. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's but, a good uh, plug. That's yeah. a good plug for it. Yes. Very but, nice. But in the, the, the you know, that's the only time we've ever had to stop before we finish in the 10 years. Well, for your um, own safety. Yeah, yeah, for everybody's safety. I mean, the yeah. parents realized that the, I mean, everybody realized, um, I guess, kind of at the same time what was going on is that as, as we're doing the religious stuff um, with the holy water and the prayers and, and you know, uh, it brought out something in him that nobody was aware was even there. And uh, you could see it in his physiology and the shaking and the look on the face and the, the craziness and the the, the whole. Um, then he had, uh, there was a point where he locked himself in a room for a while and we couldn't get in there. And, and of course, you, you got to do the whole building. And um, you only had one room left to do. Yeah, it was. It was, but yeah, we had, we had to end it because otherwise I couldn't guarantee everyone's safety if we didn't. And safety first. kind of, I mean, the parents were, they didn't realize their son had an attachment or that he was the, whatever this thing was, was the, the thing that they, we were called in for, you know what I'm saying? Like there's something wrong here in our environment, in our house. And, you know, and it turned out to be that, yes, he had, uh, you know, a demonic attachment. Wow. But yeah, so stuff can go, 
I mean, you go into a, a you get called into a case and you never know what to expect. Right. Tell what's going to happen. Um, what events may take place that may, uh, you know, leave you in really precarious situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, um, and yeah, at that point, we weren't. We were there to do a home deliverance. We weren't there to do a personal deliverance. Mm-hmm. And uh, considering the threats of violence and um, just the fact that uh, just everything about it, it was we just had to stop and then assess just assess the situation and then proceed, but not there at that moment. Yeah, so stuff does, I mean, stuff happens, you know. Uh, I've heard all kinds of stories from, we've interviewed like hundreds of people over the uh, Paraversal Universes. We're finishing up our fifth year here in the next couple months. The end of December will be the end of our fifth season. Oh, wow. And And that's on Fridays at 4 Central, is that correct? That is correct. Friday, five Friday at four central, mm-hmm. um, on WBHM digital broadcasting, and then the replays are Monday and Tuesday on WCETFM, and every Thursday night on the Rift Radio Network. Excellent. Um, Rhody has to has to get going, but she wanted to say how much she enjoyed uh, listening to you guys tonight, and thank you for uh-huh. getting to her questions and everything. Well, thank you, Rody. Yes, we love you. Thank you for asking your questions. Thank you to everybody that had questions for us. Sure. Yeah, yeah. thank everybody for listening and chatting and putting those questions in there. It always makes it much more interesting. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, I was curious how you guys got into uh, the lake monstrosities. Is that just another branch of, of interest for you? The cryptids? And... Yes, the... Uh... It's interesting. Uh, so, again, I have to say five, almost six years ago, we were during a society meeting. Uh, we brought up that there were no um, groups on Facebook for lake monsters. Mm-hmm. Couldn't believe it. Like, are you kidding me? Nobody at all? You know, like, can like... That's wrong. Like we got right. You know, we got to do <laughs> Lake Monster. So we happen to have uh, uh, one, two, three, uh, four members out of twenty members of our society that are also professional fishing guides. Oh wow! Okay. Now- uh, right. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> that's just, we ended up with four. So it's like okay, we have um, people with aquatic interest. And uh, one of them is Jeff Stenz, who's the crappie king. I mean, the guy's a, a fishing legend. And uh, he suggested, well, yeah, let's let's do something about this. And it's like, you know, can we do a Lake Monster page and do it respectfully? And it's like, well, yeah, I th- we think we can because Jeff's got the water. The he's got the the you know physically out there all the time, and and he knows. He, you know, he's got the river monster stuff covered. We got the the folklore and the lake monster 
you know, the, the champ and the Nessie and the Ogopogo cupboard. Right. And we, you know, the, the ghost ships, we can cover that. USOs. USOs, I got that covered with the ufology. So let's do it. And we started the page. And right after, or the group, and right after we started it, we met um, uh, Lawrence DeMiza, who does the banners for Paraversal Universe. Nice. And um, we met Scott Martis, who is uh, the founder of the Zombie Plesiosaur Society, who started also started a lake monster group the same month we did for the oh, same wow. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott was, uh, if you watch, if you if you watch Monster Quest and you watch the Champ episode, that's Scott. He's oh, the guy. Wow. I did see that. Um, Very so, neat. Yeah. Uh, and. So we we met a bunch of cool people right off the bat, and uh, now it's the largest aquatic. There are other since we started Lake Monstrosities, other people have started Lake Monster groups too. But Lake Monster, yeah, Lake Monstrosities really because we cover all aquatic mysteries and wonders of all kinds. Mm-hmm. We don't just like with the Zombie Police Society. They're just scientific, strictly scientific zoology, cryptozoology. We're, we'll cover the ghost stuff too, and we'll cover the UFO stuff too, um, and the, the Bermuda Triangle, Atlantis, and um, anything, uh, you know, uh, water related. Water, yeah, aquatic related. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, wow. it's the largest one on Facebook now, and um, it's awesome. We have awesome admins, Steve Carrington from Anomalous Universe, and like I said, Scott Mardis, and. Uh, um, of course, you know, Jennifer and myself and Jeff Stenz and um, Ty Ward and, and a few others. Very nice. Well, June's been to Loch Ness, and that's one of her favorite places. Yes, I do have to say that when I when I got there to, um, I think it's pronounced Eurocourt Castle, um, the ruins there, that uh, I kind of stood out there and just kind of scanned the lake for a really long time, hoping to see a little head pop up, but sadly <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I was, like, so excited. Like, now, oh. June, what, have, what would you have actually done if you if that had happened? Well, I probably would have kicked myself because I didn't have my camera ready <laughs> <laughs> or my, you know, my phone ready. But right. <laughs> I would have probably just squeed, you know, with joy. and tried to get everybody to look too because you know then they just think I was crazy (laughs) true true (laughs) you should see all the Nessie jewelry that I bought (laughs) 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 really sad (laughs) but I love it yeah, the lake monsters are cool lake monsters are awesome and we we like the the cryptozoology too we do the um, paracryptozoology stuff one of our members is uh, Iroquois shaman and cryptozoologist Don Young. He's also been on Monster Quest. Very mm. cool. Not yeah. remember the name. And uh, he, um, what's nice about Don is he, of course, he's a cryptozoologist, but he's as an Iroquois shaman, he's also got the spiritual side. Mm-hmm. And the uh, within cryptozoology, there's basically two camps. You got your uh, contemporary cryptozoology, which is just basically an extension of zoology, um, nothing paranormal at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then the, you got the other side, which is the paracryptozoology. 
the belief that some cryptids may have powers or abilities that humans simply don't possess. Uh, much like Dogman. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or like with Bigfoot and the Ultra, or, or the Mind Speak, or the the um, uh, extremely low frequency, mm-hmm. or you know, there's yeah, portals and invisibility and <laughs> okay, you know, so, yeah, I mean, there's enough going on that yeah. Um, I mean, we have both Bigfoot and Dogman up here, so... That's true, that's true. So we'll go out, and we'll not only try the, the crypto stuff, but we'll try the para, uh, the parapsychology stuff, and the metaphysical stuff, and the ufology stuff, and, um, you know... Uh, it's just a mishmash of, of it all. Yeah, Don, mm-hmm. own, Don owns a wildlife preserve. Oh, and it's neat. a huge, huge bog. It, he, he shows it, and he talks about it in the Monster Quest episodes. And so he'll take he'll take people out in groups, um, for weekends at different months, to do Bigfoot expeditions, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. This this wildlife preserve is hundreds of acres, and it's butt up against a uh, national forest. Yeah, oh, is this uh, Shikwamagon? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, it's just tons of acreage with no people. And there's, over the years, there have been reports out there. So it's one of the places we go. And like I said, we go out there and we try not just the stuff you'll see on Finding Bigfoot, but we're trying all kinds of stuff. Anything, But we won't do rituals. Like, you know, we won't do the occult. We're not trying to summon anything. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, you mm-hmm. know, we do draw the line. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, no trans-channeling. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things that we we've just decided that we're not going to incorporate, but there's so much we could try that have that other people just are not trying, and so we go out there and we try it and we document it. Wow, that's really great. that's cool. Um, it's just so awesome to have you guys on our show tonight. Yeah, because uh, really interesting. Because I've got to be the bad guy and <laughs> police us for yeah. our time a lot. <laughs> It's been okay. an honor to come on. Yeah, Thanks very honor. much. Thank you guys so much for having us on. We really appreciate Thank it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. It was a great show. Thank it you. Was. Great yeah. guest. Fantastic. And we can have you back on to talk more about the cryptozoology. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, so, June, do you have any parting words for this evening? Well, I'm just really thankful we had so many wonderful people listening and everything for our amazing guests and uh well why don't you guys um hurry and and let us know where people can find you when they want to uh con- if they want to contact you you can find me at jennifer my jennifer malik psychic demonologist my facebook like page mm-hmm. okay we've got that one in the chat okay and the northern wisconsin paranormal society limited like page okay uh, Paraversal Universe Radio. Yep, has three like pages. And of course, there's Ultimate Conspiracies, there's Lake Monstrosities. <laughs> uh, there's so many of them. That's um, great. <laughs> but yeah, we will put those in the chat. Too. Yeah, it's also on the, on the Mystic Moon Cafe website for this yeah. interview tonight. If you go there at the bottom, we have all, of, I think we've got like eight links with you guys. Right, Just, yeah. I've got it up. Yes, One, two, you. yeah, about eight. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you guys. That's awesome. Thanks Absolutely. Much. Thank you guys too and have a good evening. And Wendy. Thank you. Yes. Do you have any parting words for this evening? 
Yes. Join me Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, I had Sunday, to get, yeah. I gathered my thoughts. Um, join me Sunday night as I will be kicking off uh, Wendy's Wendy Lady's uh, Magical Studies. And um, I think the first one I'm going to start out with Moon moon Magic. And we'll just kind of go from there. If, if anybody's interested, please stop on by. I'll... I'll have chat going and and uh, some other fun stuff and it, it should nice. just be an hour long so okay. I don't know. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you will have that on the Mystic Moon Cafe website as well as through the Facebook page, correct? Yes, yeah, it's all it's already on there. Okay, perfect. And then on our side, I have to thank Carly, our sponsor of Crimson Cloak Radio Network, for letting us invade her space (laughs) and do this show. Thank you very much, Carly. If you're still listening, she was on earlier. Uh, Yeah. And then for this evening's outro, we have Adam Jensen's The Mystic. So with that, I will bid everyone a good night. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to the chat participants for the great questions. And we'll be back on in a week. Yeah. Good night. Have a great everyone. weekend. Take oh, care. Good night. Good night, everyone. Take care. Bye.